Hi, and thank you for tuning in to Compound Performance Radio. We're your hosts, Matt Domney and Kyle Dobbs. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, I'm Kyle Dobbs. I'm the owner of Compound Performance, and this is Compound Performance Radio. Uh, with me is uh, the co-host, Matt Domney. Hey guys, uh, Matt, I am the Apex Potato at Compound Performance, and that's about all I really do. I don't do anything else. Kyle takes credit for everything else that I contribute to this group. <laughs> I told him to say that. And <laughs> so you have- see exactly what I mean. <laughs> and we have on, a, as our guest today for our inaugural episode, we've got David Gray. And uh, David, thanks for coming on. We're pumped to talk with you about this. Um, and I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce yourself because you're going to do it much better than I do. Um, <laughs> Because we are ill-prepared for this. But we, <laughs> we just wanted to talk to you. So yeah. have at it. So yeah, I'm, um, I'm David and I guess I am the guinea pig for this new podcast. Um, but I'm happy to be here with you guys. So, um, so thank you very much for having me on. And uh, hopefully it can be the start of things to come. Or else it can just be one episode that was ever recorded. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see how it goes. I, I honestly think it could go either way. We're going to um, be the greatest one-hit wonder in all of <laughs> fitness podcasts. <laughs> it's just going to live on our YouTube page. Yeah, it's going to live on our YouTube page for the next five years with like 40 views. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. So um so yeah um where do you go where do you go um i am the owner of david gray rehab um and i work with people all over the world and i am doing a lot of stuff online at the moment obviously like everyone else with covid and i'm lucky enough to work with some of the best athletes in the world and then just general population anyone who wants to kind of feel and move and perform better get out of pain stuff like that and um that's pretty much it like it's that's where i'm at it's been a pretty long journey for me to get here with myself being the most messed up person i've ever seen um to trying to plug gaps along the way and figure out all the crap that was going on with my body and slowly start to take the best of all these different places and systems and methods and learn the principles that actually make sense and work for the long run and for people in the long run and um i think i do things quite differently to how a lot of people do things but um that's slowly starting to change i think and hopefully people are coming coming around to not my way of doing things but just a better way of doing things maybe um to help people but then on the flip side of that there's people going that are going completely in the other direction and further away from that so um who is right i don't know i don't care i'm just interested in results really for for my clients and um i would hope that that those results are there for people to see and my clients to see and um that's really all, all i'm interested in so um yeah it's been it's been a long journey for me to get here and it's led to me sitting here in space with you two guys um and uh yeah i'm looking forward to the chat hopefully that was okay it's just it's, that's that's the hardest part of the podcast no, oh, these was, are always the absolute worst. Yeah. No, like, how no. can I say as little as possible? And just like, hey, my name's Matt. Nice to meet you guys. That's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the podcast is always interesting where it's like the first podcast you do, you have a 20-minute intro. <laughs> and then by the time you do like five or six or seven, it's literally two minutes. And it's just the most necess- you know, necessary information possible. And, yeah. you know, I think for me, my introduction to you is I'm not, I think I found you originally from your first podcast with Just Fly, with Joel. 
And then I kind of looked at your Instagram page. I was super impressed by the podcast and it, it tied a lot of pieces together for me, just even through listening to that conversation, because I was at that point really trying to find a way to specifically tie like the education that I had, you know, previously taken part of specifically even like PRI based things and make those things useful for athletes and people who wanted to express power and, and be dynamic, right. And get off the table and listening to you kind of talk about it and tie in other stuff, whether it was Gary Wards or, or Franz Bosch or, or whatever was a really interesting kind of connect for me. And it's been super fun to watch what you've been doing um, just for the last few years since then, even, and kind of just to be able to communicate with you online. And, you know, I've, you know, Matt and I have both, uh, you know, gone through your product as far as like the lower body basics. And, you know, that's something that I think is super transformative and, and something that definitely works with uh, a lot of qualities that most, most athletes don't explore very much. It's very different than your typical kind of SNC rehab protocols. Um, mm -hmm. You want to talk a little bit more about like how that came about and, and kind of what it turned into? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's just how it came about was, I was sitting at home during COVID and I had a six week or two month waiting list. And I was like, right, how can I make money without actually seeing people here? So I, I um, sat down and wrote a program that took me about an hour to write. Mm -hmm. And um, most of the videos I already had recorded on an awful camera and um, on an on a iPhone 5 or something camera and uploaded to YouTube and just put it together and um, went from there. And I think nearly 3,000 people have done it now by now. So um, it's been pretty cool to see. Well, and um, I keep things very, very, very simple. Uh, I, I try to at least. And all the rib cage stuff, all the, the different functions of muscles, the tendons, the, the joints, the bones, I try and keep things as simple as possible. And I just want everything to do its job. And... To understand that, we have to understand what the jobs are. And obviously, a human can be very, very adaptable. And muscles can do different things at different times, but they still usually have kind of a primary function. And here's how it should move as related to gait cycle and human movement and all of these things. So try and keep things as simple as possible. Just get everything to do its job in an efficient way, in a way that is least likely hopefully to flare people up if they already have an issue or something like that so it's a progressive manner and um it it's been it's been very successful and it's been pretty cool to see people like general population people people who haven't trained much doing the program and then professional athletes and olympians doing the program and having similar reports and similar successes with it it's just because Everyone, in my opinion, needs very similar things. They just need different dosages, different uh, intensities, different sets and reps and stuff like that, but different levers, but the movements are still very, very much the same. So that's that's why I call it a basics program. That is, is it. Like, it's just the first step, but these are the things that I think everyone should be able to do with their body. And um, and yeah, that's that's kind of where it's at. And it's, it's helped me a lot, to be honest, because it's helped me with my business obviously it's helped me to to give people uh they can dip into the program and see what i'm talking about and it's not just theory here's it here's the things that i'm talking about and um and uh yeah so that's that's it has been a phase two and um there's just i'm good it's, it's good it's cool for me to like for you guys to have checked it out and stuff like that because 
I know you know all the stuff I'm talking about, but it's just it's just a way of seeing some of these exercises and maybe there's a different cue than you heard before, or maybe there is structure slightly different and maybe that gives you a different feeling and um and yeah, so that's that's been the program and that's been a big part of my my year this year, I suppose. Now, one thing I'd like to just clarify really quick is you say you keep saying it's basic and simple, but I just want everybody to know for uh, the listeners that you will be shaking like a leaf for the entirety of everything that you're going to do. Um, yeah. I, as a moderately strong person, I looked at this when I first went through it and I was like, ah, this is going to be super easy. Um, and I was sadly, sadly mistaken and taken, yeah. t- taken quite by surprise by how challenging a lot of this stuff is. And it's like you were talking about where like, most people and most athletes that you're going to run into probably need to do very, very similar things just in different dosages for different and in different intensity levels. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where like the, the having a basic foundation in solid human movement in gate mechanics uh, and in, in multiplanar movement is something that a lot of people just sorely lack. And it just makes it a very, very challenging program for people to complete simply because it's a lot harder than they think it should be. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So for instance, like some of the hamstring exercises, if we understand the gait cycle, not, not walking, but running, we should hopefully understand that there is a demand for the hamstrings to work isometrically. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are a biarticular muscle that is built to transfer energy a lot of the time. Now, they're not only working isometrically, but there is a big demand for that. And uh, in my opinion, in my experience, the the poorer someone is at getting their hamstring to act isometrically in a submaximal or a maximal uh usually submaximal submaximally then the worse their movement is so if we understand that then we understand that all the rdls and the deadlifts and the nordic curls and all these things that people are doing for strong hamstrings as soon as I take someone's lower back out of it and ask them to co- to the hamstrings to act isometrically in a coordinated movement where the foot and the calf and the glutes and all these other things are doing a similar job or their, their job at the same time, then people can't do it anymore. Oh yeah. That was uh, the, the one that I think humbled me the most is the, the, the single leg bridge off of the mm-hmm. foam roller. Uh, I made it, I think about two and a half seconds before my <laughs> cramped. Cramp city. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they cramped. I fell over and I just like clutched my hamstrings. I was like, God, David, why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's the big thing, you know, for a lot of people is, especially the way that, you know, most people train, right? They train muscular strategies and they go through eccentric and concentric orientations and, and everything's kind of built around like occlusion rather than like reactivity and potential, like even elasticity. And the, the coordination aspect of it, I think is what really throws a lot of people off. Cause I, I had the same experience as Matt or the first time I did, especially that drill. And I'd done, you know, got at that point, hundreds of like 90, 90 hamstring lifts and long lever bridges and things like that. But something uh, like something about that and the reactivity to stabilizing on that foam roller and kind of, again, going through like the short range, uh, mm-hmm. perturbations, even if you want to call them that, like I, I cramped up, like Matt said, like within the first five seconds of it, the first time I did it, like just massively at the proximal hamstring. It, it was like just laying on the ground, like just completely yeah. disappointed. I think disappointment would be like a, a, a way to kind of describe it where I just like, wow, like I, someone who feels like I'm pretty fit kind of know what's going on here. And if there's a way to fail an exercise, like truly, like I just did it. 
like yeah. oh i remember watching your david's story a bunch of times and watching like people just try this and then sit there and like straighten out their leg and just shake it yeah. to try and get the hamstring cramp to go away and i'm like ha, that's never gonna happen to me <laughs> <laughs> and then i was in the exact same position i was like oh well yeah I guess i'm a fool now <laughs> yeah. yeah you cannot hide from it if you do no. if you do the exercise well you cannot hide from it and that's the same there's a, there's there's other exercises like that in the program as well you just can't hide from it like people will go too high with their hips. They'll try and use their glute. They'll try and use their lower back. They won't get their foot in the right position. They won't be able to get their calf, their, their, their heel up. They'll do it with their heel coming down. Mm-hmm. All of those things will change very much the sensation that you feel at your hamstring. And that should help us understand that all of those things, if I flipped you up and put you standing and running, why are we getting hamstring injuries again and again and again? If you cannot hold a bridge like that for five seconds, then how we can't, and I'm not saying that's the mechanism of the injury. It's just one thing that might be, be happening or you, you have knee pain and you can't hold this position and your, your body is constantly trying to find different compensations away from actually using your hamstring. These are things that we have to address and we have to get right. And these are things that are not spoken about in, in very few other places they are now because people are putting them into their program and stuff like that. And, and, and that, and, I would hope that that I've had a positive influence on that and other people have as well because this stuff is so important and we have to look, we have to change how we look at training and, and we can talk about muscles, we can talk about joints, but we have, to, we have to look at common compensations that we see happening again and again and again and again and compensations aren't bad, but if you have one option to do a movement, which is I always use my lower back to do it, then you actually have no option. You have no choice. That's the way you're always going to do it. So we want to give, it's not that you always have to do it the way I'm saying, it's just, I want you to have choices. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have choices, you've won, you've won choice and you're going to use that choice again and again and again, every single movement you do, whether you're running, walking up the stairs, bending down to pick something up, doing a deadlift, it's the same movement pattern again and again and again, because you can't get these qualities in your body. And sooner or later, that is going to catch up with you. I mean, that's just one of the things that we talk about a lot is it's just, it's just building better strategies to uh, change the accumulation of fatigue on different tissues. And it's exactly like you said, it's like, you're just trying to pick better movements to help shuttle fatigue to different tissues so that you have more options to be better and just perform better, perform your task better. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So load management is the big thing, especially in the, in the, the rehab or load management is a huge like buzzword, but I don't think people understand load management. It is obviously how much training are you doing and your recovery and all of these things. But load management is also what tissues can I get to actually work and, and, and spread the load across. Yeah. That's so, that I've never heard that spoken about in a research paper or from a PhD or any of these people talking about how can I get the load to spread across tissues so that my body can manage, excuse me, my body can manage the load better and not just always reduce the load that you're doing, the amount of work that you're doing. That is one of the things that drives me the most insane about everybody in fitness is like everybody looks at load management and they go, oh, just don't do it until it doesn't hurt you anymore. It's like, there's a better way to do this. (laughs) You can still train the same qualities and train the same tissues in a similar position at a lower intensity and progress yourself back into it. You don't have to totally avoid the thing until it goes away. Like there's better things that you can do. That's not like true load management is not just avoiding things until it's better. Yeah. yeah. 
and avoid the, the whole avoidance thing is also just like, of course, it's going to feel better. You stopped applying stress, right? Like mm-hmm. that's always the big thing that we always see. And like, you know, the squat is the big example for that. It's like, oh, like squatting hurts your back or your knees or whatever. Just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it, well, yeah, I feel better three weeks later. My back no longer hurts or whatever, but it's like, well, you're also just not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> like as, as, soon as, as soon as you try to like apply that stimulus again, like you're, you're going to be in trouble. Like you haven't oh done Oh my anything. goodness. It hurts again. For, yeah. It hurts again. It must what be happened. The, it must be yeah. the squats and not my like level of preparedness for the squats. Yeah. Right. And yeah. you know, so I think it's like that lens of looking through things I think was super eye opening for me. Like w- yeah. because the, the coordination aspect, I think, is what I've been missing, you know, for, for a lot of my own personal training, because like, especially for me, like my hamstrings just didn't do things. Like even when I would do like hamstring curls, like I would get just a ton of gastroc, like mm-hmm. trying to do those things. Like my hamstrings just were not orientating and doing the job they were supposed to do. And, you know, that was something where I felt them immediately mm-hmm. uh, in a way that I hadn't probably ever felt them before. So it was, it, like I said, it was, it was disappointing and surprising at the same time. <laughs> yeah. uh, t- like t- Timing and coordination is, I don't, I actually don't talk about timing coordination very much mm-hmm. at all. Um, because it's hard to talk about mm-hmm. and it's very hard to talk about because if people might not have felt what you're talking about. And so when they hear coordination, they think of someone standing on a BOSU ball and catching a tennis ball with a patch over one eye. And that's what they think about. But actually your brain is constantly going off timing and coordination. And you look in the tendon world and uh, they show better results with, with tendon pathologies or non pathologies when there's a metronome in the background and your brain has something to time off. So like, there's a lot more research to be done on this, but I don't know uh, if you've seen David Weck's pulsers and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where he has, he has people laugh at that stuff. And I'm like, that's, that stuff is, I don't know, can I curse, but that stuff is fucking awesome. Oh, you, um, you can fucking You can curse. say whatever yeah. you like. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. I thought so. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, the, I think that stuff is awesome used in the right context. Mm-hmm. And that's why just doing a double leg pogo jump is never going to be as good for, in my opinion, as doing a uh, jump rope, mm-hmm. because you're you're giving your brain a task, something to something to work with, and there's all these different ways that we can we can give the brain tasks, we can or we can change things. We can use uh, an internal cue, feel this, um, squeeze this. We can use uh, an external cue, which is close the door with your butt behind you. We can use we can also use fatigue, which is something that I don't talk about a lot. So if someone, if someone goes into a, a, like a jumping movement or a bounding type of movement and every time their foot hits the floor, they get knee pain. Um, I can use all these cues. So if you have more intent through your foot, I could use a cue beforehand before they do the movement, where it's like, okay, here's some hamstring curls. So you get some sensory input and you feel the hamstring more and hopefully the knee less, or I can use a, uh, kind of a, a fatigue I call it like a fatigue contrast and Franz Bosch talks about this a lot as well which is um, he doesn't talk about it he doesn't talk about it like I'm going to speak about it here but he's, he's mentioned it in the past where I'm going to go and do three bodybuilding movements in the joint specific angle that your foot that your knee is going to la- hit, hit when your foot hits the floor your knee is going to be in this position so I'm going to do a leg extension where I just do an oscillation in that exact um, or pretty close to that uh, amount of knee extension. 
I'm going to do a hamstring curl oscillation in that amount of knee flexion or knee extension. And I'm going to do a calf raise and a small oscillation just moving. And I'm going to go do all those three movements to a complete and utter fatigue for each of those muscles. Then I'm going to put you back into the movement. And now the brain doesn't have the same uh, hardware to use the movement. So the, the, all the things that it has done in the past to use that movement, those muscles have been fatigued within an inch of their lives. And now the brain has to find a different coordination path to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And it is suddenly someone has no more pain in their knee when they do it. So you would think that they would have more pain because the muscles have, are so fatigued now when they go and do the movement, but actually most of the time they have way less pain and the brain has to figure it out and it can't use this pattern that it's always used. So it's going to use something else. And suddenly it doesn't associate that movement with pain because the neuroanatomy around it, the firing and the wiring of things has changed. So coordination and timing is something that is completely overlooked and Mm -hmm. probably is the most important thing in the world of rehab and performance of athletes, I would say. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a, it's a good soundbite right there. That that is, we're going to use that David for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, moving forward. So you, you've done uh, the, the lower body basics volume one, you obviously, you see a bunch of people on an individual basis and do consultations as well. I know you're, you're booked out till like June for that stuff. (laughs) Uh, you know, so what, what's next for yourself, for your business, like your own development, the the development and expansion of your business? Like, what are you looking to move forward into in the next year? Good question. Uh, that's been so I've been racking my brains a lot on that for the last few months. Um, and I go back and forth a lot on it. Um, business, business is a big thing. Like I, I love the business and the marketing and the sales side of things. That's a lot of my background is in that. And um, so I do love helping other people with their business. And I do work with a lot of coaches and clients and our coaches and clinicians on developing business skills and it's something that's lacking, obviously, as you, you guys know yourselves and you work a lot with a lot of people on that side themselves. But um, it's mostly about poor communication with people. Mm-hmm. So marketing is communication, sales is communication, getting good results with your clients is communication. So that's something I'm always trying to be better at and help other people um, helping other people improve on i don't know if that's something i'm going to go like deep into but just more and more my work is is with is coaching people Mm -hmm. um and and that's and that's something i'm dipping into more and more i'm kind of this obviously with during covid i moved into the education space a little bit more Mm with the with the webinars that i did and i'll probably go a little bit more into that space as well but I want to be I want to be careful with my with my time and stuff as well and obviously everyone under the sun is running their own mentorship and stuff like that now and I get asked pretty much every day am I running my one and I'm probably not going to for the time being because at the moment my my goal is if I put in an hour's work I want to get paid for like 10 or 12 or 20 hours um, rather than just trading time for money all of the time so that's why the programs it works really well for me um, because I can do the program once and then 3000 people can go and buy it. So I'm going to probably release a few more programs, maybe, a like a, a spine, a core, core training for athletes type of thing and, uh, an upper body program. And, um, 
maybe a plyometric program and, and a return to running program rehab wise and, and a few things like that. So there's some, some ideas at least, but um, yeah, at the moment I'm just, I need to get better with my time because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of maxed out. Obviously, mm-hmm. obviously you know that you've, you've been there quite so you just get maxed out at a certain point and oh, then yeah. you have to, you have to find new ways mm-hmm. of doing things, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why we started the group stuff yeah. was, was being able to work with, you know, between 70 and hundred people rather than like one-on-one calls all day long. And, you know, I mean, that's why I hired Matt to, to help transition a bunch of that workload and be able to scale my business further, you know? And, and I think that's, that's just a huge concept for fitness professionals in general, I think. And I think that's a good thing to touch on is uh, most the industry has conditioned most of us so much to just trading that hour for a dollar amount that I think a lot of coaches don't understand how to scale beyond that. And, and in my experience, they don't, and they don't realize what the potential, uh, you know, like COVID is terrible. Like we all, we all can, you know, agree on that, but it's also opened a lot of opportunities and a lot of doors for people to be able to work more efficiently if they understand how to do it. And I think that that's a huge thing. Um, you know, we always joke around, like I'm, I'm in St. Louis, Missouri right now. And, you know, we work with more people in Australia than we do in the state of Missouri. Right. Like, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I don't work with a single person that's within probably two States of me, you know, like in person. And, you know, most of our people are either on the coasts or they're international, like Matt's in Houston. We don't work with, he has a, he has one-on-one clients or individual clients. We don't work with anybody remotely in Houston really either, you know, so it's, it's opened this door for us to really expand and no longer have like geographic uh, barriers, you know, to the people that we could work with. And it's just, Mm -hmm. that allows you to maximize social media and and your website and SEO and all of those things so much better if you can take advantage of that. Yeah. I am, I am glad though that he didn't say he's getting into the mentorship space because we're going to have to send a guy after his kneecaps. I know, man. (laughs) Don't anyway. worry, I, I, I will not be teaching people how to squat and deadlift. You can, so you can have a FedEx guy show up at your house and whack you in the knees <laughs> if you launch that mentorship product. Special don't delivery worry. from Compound Performance. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd have to join the queue. There'd probably be a few others in front of you, but um, nah, nah, not. It'd be, I don't know. I don't know what way I'd go about it. It'd probably be, it'd, it'd be very much like bridging the gap between rehab and performance mm. probably and and also teaching people how to critically think rather than anything else like yeah. okay here's here's some skills that you need to develop like communication and here's how you need to talk to people and here's how when you read a piece of uh, a book from someone like here's the things that it the filters that it needs to go through before it makes it into your your everyday practice you know even, so even research papers like oh, here's yeah. the filters right like it's the, the critical thinking component is something we run into every day i mean we run into it on social media every day right uh but but even in the group that we work with it's like that's our biggest thing is like we don't sell a model like because we know that our model probably won't work for a lot of people like they have to like we encourage them to start developing their own based on their demographic what their demographic values and what their actual education experience dictates and a lot of people just want a a rule book they want a guidebook they want to go to a three-day seminar and come home with a pamphlet that tells them exactly what to do. And, and they don't want to have to think about it. They just want to be able to do it. And um, that, that's, that's a hard thing for me to get over in this industry as well. I think in a lot of times. Yeah. One of my yeah. favorite things to do is uh, just DM Kyle sponsored posts that I happen to scroll by on an Instagram. And I'm like, what is this? Like what is that person doing? 
yeah yeah context is important isn't it yeah <laughs> but um it's often it's often missed but uh yeah that's look that's what's happened with me as well it's people have like uh, people have I'd say there's 10 or 15 programs that are, have now been released by other people that look identical to mine, um, like every single movement. Um, and I would imagine that if I ask the person, which I don't want to, but if I ask the person, explain to me what's happening in this exercise, they would not be able to. So um, I, do, I try not to get wound up over it or, or like even care that people are releasing programs or talking or taking captions from my post and repost and posting it as their, as their own words because they don't understand it and they don't understand context. So that's never going to work. So uh, if I ever release a mentorship and, and, and that is the stuff I'm teaching, then feel free to FedEx me a guy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, also at the same time, how does it feel to indirectly coach hundreds of thousands of people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, you, tell, you tell me, Matt. You tell me, right, Matt. It's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> we have determined that Matt, Matt now coaches probably like a couple thousand powerlifters yeah. you know, across the States and abroad. I got like 20 clients, but I have a, I have a thousand <laughs> clients. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, you're, you're the long arm of Matt is exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You have the same thing, David, you have, yeah. you have 3000 people that have done lower body basics and probably like 24,000 people who have done their version of lower body yeah. basics. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. It. look, it's all, it's all good. I think for the most part, look, you know what? You actually don't even need to understand that much stuff. You, you, human beings are adaptable and like, as long as you're doing something in the ballpark that looks not insane, then you're probably fine, you know? Yeah. So that's the cool part. Like, so that, that's, that's, that's what's good. That's why it frustrates me when people, you know, someone comes to like, I do a session with someone online and they say, Oh, I've done, I've done five. I've been with five different therapists before you. And they'll say each of the, each next therapist, I told them what they did with the last guy. And he said, well, that's wrong. Like that's, that, that made, that was making you worse. And I'm like, fuck me. Like that's, you're just you're just killing this person that's in front mm-hmm. of you for your own ego because you yeah. know the one way that it should be done and actually no like I'll, I'll just try and tie together the concepts that they've been doing with the person right that person was right because he was right because these, these things need to be better that person was right because yes your core needs to be, be stronger but that doesn't mean that we want to squeeze your core yes x y and z and we just tie them together and don't make anyone feel like an idiot and uh hopefully people can learn <laughs> as they go you know yeah. No, it's uh, a lot of people in our industry create more barriers yeah. to fitness than, than they, you know, get rid of. And, and I think that's whether you're in the rehab world or, or you're just a personal trainer at a, at a gym somewhere. I think that's one of the big things that, uh, you know, we talk about a lot just on social media or wherever is uh, <clears throat> telling people what they've done wrong is rarely a solution moving forward, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like it's, it's just like, just talk about what you're going to do because like you said, like if somebody's seen four or five physical therapists, it's the same thing if somebody's worked with four or five trainers, well, those trainers all interacted with that individual at different training ages for that individual, right? Mm-hmm. So what they were doing might've been perfectly appropriate for where that person was 18 months ago or three years ago or six months ago, whatever it might've been. And I think that's something we don't realize because we don't realize the context that, you know, like you're seeing this person on a completely different chapter 
than where that other therapist or that other coach saw them. And, and I've, I, I fully agree with you, Matt, and I talk about this all the time offline, especially like training doesn't matter that much. Like programming and periodization for, for especially gen pop people where you don't have specificity based goals is extremely overrated in my opinion. Like come in consistently do work within the qualities that your task demands and have fun while you're doing it. Like make it an enjoyable process so that you actually keep doing it. And you're probably going to get better. Like we probably don't need super complex Soviet systems for Susan, the soccer mom, <laughs> rural Missouri, right? Like that's just not a thing. It's yeah. a second day step inside <clears throat> the gym, but we're going to do small ops. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 10 by 10. Yep. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a, there's an Australian <laughs> podcast uh, that I listened to years ago. Uh, I can't remember. Think, I can't think of the name of it now, but the guy said that the first time he was in the gym, his friend had him doing GVT and nice. um, squats. So back squats, 10 by 10 back squats. And uh, so he, he left the gym, got on the bus and got off the bus. And he had to usually had to walk down the hill to his house. So oh, he, could see, he could see his house like <laughs> 200 meters down, but he had to lie in a bush for two hours. <laughs> He couldn't walk down the hill. So he had to ring his mother like two hours later and ask him to ask her to collect him because he couldn't walk down the hill. So like I'll never forget that story. And I hear that story, like similar versions of that story every day. And uh, I just laugh my head off. Oh, that was the first the first time I ever I ever lifted weights when I was in like high school was I I went super hard on the leg press and I literally couldn't walk for like two and a half weeks. Yeah. Like, this is the worst thing ever. <laughs> Why do people do this? Why would you do this, Jason? <laughs> and I have one. I have a similar one. Um, I first time I took a pre-workout was um, I think it was like a Jack Jack 3D or something. One of them, oh, like oh, seven. the OG. Ephedra. Yeah. So, <laughs> so but but I didn't take it going to the gym. I took it when I was playing a football match, Ooh. and uh, it was a big game. And I was like, okay, I gotta get super pumped for this game. So I took like two pack, two sachets. Oh god! And I ended up, I ended up on the bench for the whole game. It's <laughs> just shaking. <laughs> you're either that, or you're gonna be in the bathroom for the whole game. Like those yeah. are the only two options. <laughs> yeah. If you take yeah. two two scoops of Jack 3D, those are the only two outcomes yeah. that are even possible at that point. You're honestly, you're... I thought I was like, I thought I was gonna have a heart attack <clears> in in the stand. So um, yeah, I didn't sleep that night, and I never took it again. So oh, that's gosh. my that's my version of dvt <clears throat> that that's amazing so we we just have one more question for you but it, it's a bit of a doozy it's it's going to be our signature question but you're the first person that, that gets to answer it um it's kind of like a grinds my gears question which makes me happy but you know based on the industry as you see it today social media in person whatever what do you hate the most yeah um how much time should, do we have? <laughs> I should preface this by, by saying, I think the industry is actually moving in a really good direction. Mm -hmm. I think there is, now, there is an argument around that, that maybe it's just me being surrounded by people that think similarly to me. And actually, the industry is moving in an awful direction, but hey, I don't see that. Jim Shark's got, uh, I think, 25 million followers, David, right now. <laughs> so... 
Yeah. Yeah. Hey, booty bands it. market is alive and thriving. Yeah. Take that yeah. for what it is, my friend. Yeah. The booty bands. That's another thing we should talk about for a second is the booty bands. Cause I, I always Found shit it. on them. I always, <laughs> I always shit on them, um, on Instagram and stuff. And people, someone will write to me then and say, well, um, the booty band doing a glute clam helped my knee pain and or help. And I look at their profile and they're, uh, or help my mother's knee pain. I'm like, okay, has your mother ever trained before? And the answer is no. And um, she just got out of an operation for her meniscus. And yeah, great. It helped her knee pain because she got some kind of a muscular contraction. But Anything. Then, yeah, exactly. So the, the, the opposite of that then is a professional soccer player playing in England that's on five million a year and has done a lot of training and a lot of glute band stuff and he's still being given it for his knee pain not the answer anymore um so that is one thing maybe that grinds my gears so uh, but then again it's it's about context these Mm -hmm. things are might be fine post-operation but that doesn't mean that they're fine any for anything else um the, the thing, look, it's all, it all just comes back to ego in the industry. It all, everything that's bad in the industry comes back to ego. And that's the, that's the frustrating thing. And for me at the moment, the biggest thing is, is um, competition. People think that they have to shit on someone else to build themselves up or not tag someone else in a movement to build themselves up and pretend that they invented the movement or all of these things. So, but that just comes back to ego and people wanting what they don't have and thinking that putting someone else down is going to get them, get them there, which it's not. Um, so that's, that's probably, that's probably one big thing. The ego in the industry is, is something else. It's unbelievable. And um, it's, it's very hard to deal with. And that's why you just try and, trying to unfollow as many accounts on Instagram and stuff as I can at the moment and just mute as many people as I can because the, the, there's people there that will find, like, they'll, they'll be on your profile, they'll be on my profile, they'll be on 100 other profiles and they'll see all this good stuff and then they'll, they'll see one line that you wrote that they don't agree with and that's what they'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trying to, they're just trying to tear other people down, but that tells you a lot about someone else's mindset, I think, and what, what they're, what's going on in their life. Um, and then I guess, I guess more important than that is just how low the bar is set in the industry. So like, especially in the, in the pain world and the rehab world, I used to think this was just in Ireland, but it's not, it's actually probably worse in the States, but like in Ireland, for instance, you'll meet someone and they'll say, I have chronic back pain for the last three years. This won't be a client of mine. It'll be just someone that you meet. And uh, I have chronic back pain for the last three years. And I have an incredible therapist. He's unbelievable because once every two weeks when my back gets extra bad, he gives me a massage or a needle or a cracks my back and I get relief for 24 hours. So he's a magician. And I'm like, this is going on for three years. Like that, you're, 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 your estimation of what incredible is and what a magician is, is someone that can give you relief for 24 hours. And it's like, your subscription is what you are. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So like, like back in my granddad's day, like when he wanted relief, he went and had 10 points down in the pub and, um, and he got relief for at least six or eight hours. So the other guy is not doing that much better than him. Um, so just how low the virus is set in the industry in rehab and performance and health and all that stuff. It's set so incredibly low that it just, it baffles me and whether it's getting better or not, I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I think social media has contributed that to or contributed to that significantly. You know, I I'm I'm older than both of you guys, and I, I started the industry like pre-smartphone, right? And it's just like you saw the trainers that worked in your general gym. Like those are the people that you saw. You might go to like a national seminar or a certification and meet some people and network with some people there, but now, especially with COVID, but even before that, like with the rise of fitness and fitness is a huge mechanism on social media, right? Like everybody's a coach. Everybody's a pain science specialist, whether they have the degrees or the education or the experience, you know, it's like, you know, Matt and I always joke around. It's like, like, you'll see like coaches that are 20 years old, not even out of school, never trained a client. And they're doing like do this, not that post or the checkbox post or, or shitting on somebody else's stuff. And it's like, you've never even trained a person, yeah. you literally never trained a human being. You have never taken a seminar. You've never taken a cert. You just follow a few people, right? And that yeah. shapes your bias. And now you're an expert too. And, yeah. and I think that's something like, there's nobody to call those people out. There's nobody to say, Hey, show me your credentials. You know, show me what you've done. What's your resume look like? can I get some references? Like everybody's just putting their stuff out there. And like, it's frustrating and confusing for us, right? As people who've been in the industry, I can only imagine what it looks like for somebody who's actually seeking out coaching from somebody. Uh, And and that's, that's tough. And I, I definitely don't think it's a good thing for the industry. Yeah, there's yeah. so much noise out there in terms of what is right and what is wrong and what could be useful for each one of these people. And nobody really does a good job of trying to cut through all of that because as soon as you start doing so, especially with social media being what it is, like it's only just going to be a small snippet of what you're able to actually talk about with a person. So you have to do, and, and it's one of those things where like to build your business and you know this as well, David, uh, like you have to usually take a, like a polarizing stance. So it's one of those things where if you're, if you're, targeting somebody that's going to draw eyes to what you do mm-hmm. and it makes it a lot more difficult because nuance and context gets lost because it doesn't sell very well mm-hmm. do this not this sells great mm-hmm. yeah it's systems that's all of it it just comes yeah. back to systems here's the system that's going to fix me and um or here's the system that's going to make me world class and actually systems don't make sense to me anymore because if there's one thing that that system doesn't teach that is valuable, then that means that that system doesn't make sense anymore. Because if they were interested in actually helping people, then that would be part of their system too, that one thing. And I can promise you there's a lot more than one thing that's missing from every single system. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot missing from every single system. So are, are these people that create these systems going to other courses and seeing the holes in their system and adding to, adding to them. If they are, great. If they're not, then their system is, is, is a marketing system, not a system that's designed to help people. Even if it does help people, they're not helping people as well as they could. And I actually, I actually have no problem with people working in systems because some people li- love, like I go to a course and I just love this stuff. I absolutely love it. And I might know that there's other things out there, but I just love working in this way. That's fine. But if it's, uh, I, I think this system is the answer to every single thing, then not so much. I'm not so, I'm not so on board with that. Yep. It gets a little dangerous at that point, I think. And, you know, that's, that's something I always try to impress upon, you know, coaches as well as 
when you go to a seminar, you go to a course, like it's a closed environment, right? Where, you know, it's built around everybody kind of becoming this tribe and everybody digging in. And, you know, it's also, it's also kind of a self-determining demographic, right? Like it's self-biased where people who are already interested in the system are going to that system. So they're going to be biased towards it anyway. You're testing out all these interventions on other coaches who want to believe it works. So it's going to work. Like all the table tests look great. All the interventions look great. Everybody's scores go up or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you get on the real gym floor with real people and you're like, wow, my, my system doesn't apply mm-hmm. necessarily in, in my gym <laughs> with 200 other people walking around or whatever. And I need to now improvise, but I'm afraid to get out of this rule book. Right. Because yeah. I think I now think this is the only way to coach people. And yeah. And that's that's tough for me to watch. And especially working in the corporate gym world for so long. And Matt, Matt spent most of his career in that as well, both as, as coaches and in management, is you know, we would see that every day. Like somebody takes a kettlebell cert, all of their clients are immediately doing kettlebell work. Oh, somebody yeah. somebody takes a, an assessment-based cert and now everybody's now doing that assessment and those interventions, everybody who has been training for two years, pain-free and building performance is now broken because they got a bad score on whatever this assessment might've been. And now we have to regress everybody, detrain them and try to bring them back up Yeah, because my shirt says corrective exercise specialist or whatever. Right. You know, it's back to the dowel. Yeah. Back to the dowel, you know, you know, so it's like you, you see this happen over and over and over again. And, I think coaches have the best of intentions, you know, and and I I never want to call that into question, but it's also, we're using a lot of these things uh, in in a kind of an absolutist type way where it's saying, Oh, I learned something new. So everything I knew beforehand is trash. Like it's just garbage now. And I think that's where it gets a little dangerous for a lot of people. Yeah. 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 That doesn't work for me because that, look, that's fine, right? If if you're if you're working in the pain world, or or you're coaching a gen pop person who wants to wants to play with their grandkids, or wants to play wants to go for a run on the weekend, and they have knee pain, they they come to you and you apply your system with them, and they get a bit better, and they go and run, and a little bit of knee pain, and maybe it's on and off, and they can kind of you can kind of half blame them for not following what you told them maybe they did too much all of these things right maybe the system wasn't wrong maybe you just didn't apply it well enough mm-hmm. okay what happens when you have an athlete that is on five to ten million dollars a year and they've torn their hamstring three times in the last 12 months and they've been with all the club doctors and physios and then they come at they come at your door or in my case they come on my screen and there's no comeback for me if i rehab them and they go and tear their hamstring Mm -hmm. there is zero comeback what i did did not work Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if they didn't follow follow it exactly all of these things if they didn't sleep the night before they told their hamstring at the end of the day they're going in their mind they're going to say this guy is shit. So all these systems, you have to bin it. You have to bin them all. And you have to say, what's going to get results for me with that one person in front of me? So that's the type of mindset then that 
that I take from these high-end athletes and I try and apply that then to the general population because if it's good enough for them, it should be good enough for, for everyone else. And everyone has their goal, whether it's running at the weekend or re- whether it's playing in, in the, the biggest final, in the biggest sport. The goal is still there and you have to be able to get them there and the person doesn't care how you get them there. So mm-hmm. you need all these different tools. So these systems, they fall apart when you start to work with the highest level of athlete mm-hmm because there's no hiding place they will go out and they will say i i my groin went again my knee is sore again and that stuff didn't work so if it didn't work there it didn't probably work with your gen pop person you just didn't they just didn't get to a point where you stressed them hard enough Mm. to find out that it didn't work it was actually just the the robust nature of the human that actually adapted to any stimulus yeah. And I think that's a, that's a hugely important point too, is the, the, the application of stress to a lot of these people to see if the system actually succeeds or not, where a lot of times what, they, what most of these will do is they'll, they'll remove the training stimulus or the actual stressor so much and so hard from the, from the organism itself that you don't know if the system was actually successful or not, because now you just don't have that pain in isolation, in a static movement, or just sitting around and doing nothing at all times. But as soon as you put a bar on your back or you start running again, or you start trying to be an athlete again, oh man, it's back. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's back hurts in a lying down 90, 90. Oh yeah. My my back feels fantastic when I'm sleeping. (laughs) It's it's when you have to stand up and go do something that it, that it comes back. Uh, I think that's actually a, a really good place to kind of close out because um, yeah. I don't, I don't want to impede on your time either, David. So really quick before we leave, uh, where can everybody find you? Uh, what's the best place to contact you if they want to learn more about the, the products and the services that you provide? Uh, just Instagram probably is the best place. Just David Gray, G-R-E-Y, Rehab. And um, yeah, it's just worth going there if you're interested and um, checking out some of the stuff and uh seeing if it resonates and if not that's fine too and um yeah thank you very much for having me on guys i'm obviously as you know a huge fan of both of you guys and um i know you're doing amazing work and um i know the podcast and everything else that you do is always going to be very very successful so um i'm i'm really privileged and proud to come on and um always happy to chat and um keep doing what you're doing and um I hope that this podcast was was okay and um, that some people get some value from it. I think this you is guys a are, great first iteration. I think this is a great first first episode for sure. If you guys are looking to book a consultation with David Gray, um, it's probably going to be easier to get a reservation at a Michelin star restaurant. Um, so just get lower body basics and then see if you can talk to him later. Yeah. Get, get started with that. And we will yep. uh, we'll link everything uh, in the show notes for this as well, David. Yeah. So thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate you. Love your stuff, obviously. And I, I think this was a good way to kick it off. Yeah, David, thank you so much for coming on. This was fantastic. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Compound Performance Radio. If you liked this episode, please be sure to like, share, subscribe, and drop us a review. We'll see you next time.